before we get to this week's episode, we want to remind you that while this show will always be free, we also have a Patreon where you can get even more fandom. Visit patreon.com forward slash the fandom show where for a couple bucks a month, you can listen to episodes early. You can get random fandom mail from us, check out our nerds letter or listen to our patron exclusive, The Fan Club, where we listen to movies that one of us loves and the other has never seen. This month, we watched Cruel Intentions and it's awkward. Uh, you also get shout out on episode and this one goes out to Dexton Bourne. Thank you so much for your support. We're your fan now too. Once more, that's patreon.com forward slash the fandom show. We're also trying to get more folks to check out the podcast. So if you listen regularly and would like to help, please rate, review and subscribe on your podcast provider of choice, which helps others to find us. All this being said, you're already doing the most supportive thing, which is just listening. So thank you so much. And let's get to the episode. Hello, 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 and welcome to The Fandom Show, the podcast where we learn about fantastic fandoms by talking to our favorites about their favorites. I am Kaya Green. I am Stephanie Mallon. And today, we are talking about the wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey, TARDIS-traveling Marvel that has been exterminating our hearts since 1963. It is Doctor Who. Nice. Very, very good. Oh, and it's... it's This is my whole episode now. (laughs) (laughs) Just going to sing your way through. Um, Steph... What do you know about Doctor Who? Oh, I mean, I uh, did not watch the OG series, uh, but it was before my time. Um, but when it rebooted, loved it. Loved Christopher Eccleston, loved David Tennant. Matt Smith came on, and I was like, that guy's so mad <laughs> all the time. And then I lost interest. Okay. Um, because it just didn't feel like the Doctor yeah, to me. The so Fez didn't do it for you? No, I, I don't even care about his hat. I just feel like his attitude after David Tennant, I was like, ah. Oh. Yeah. I don't know. That's I don't know fair. if I can love again. That's fair. D- David Tennant is a, a, a world apart, that man. What do you know about Doctor Who? Um, well, I have uh, not watched it all the way through. It's one of those things that I've always been meaning to get to, but similar to the Star Treks, it's just I'm, I'm cowed by the, the, the vastness of it. There's yeah. just so much of it. Um, it is intimidating to start when you're like, wow, I have to watch how many episodes? Yeah, 100%. And I think it's nice that they reboot with the Doctor because you can kind of like get in at a certain point and be like, I will watch this Doctor for a while. Yeah. And then I will stop, you know? Yeah. Uh, that said, I still haven't watched a lot of it. But uh, I know I've absorbed a lot over the years about uh, Doctor Who just being in nerd spaces and stuff. And I know, you know, a lot about certain doctors and certain monsters, like the the angels, scary weeping angel yeah. ones. They're terrifying. Yep. I'm scared of The Daleks, of those. we know. Yes, of course. The adipose. It's all, oh, like, those are so fun. Cute. The little, little fat aliens. The little fat aliens. Yeah. Um, just from hosting trivia and being at cons and stuff like that. Um, but do you know who does know a lot? Who? Um, so our guest today, Andrew Cromwell, is a voice actor, actor, and recovering improviser. Good Bruce. for you. Um, <laughs> you see him on shows like The Porter, Murdoch Mysteries, and a couple of those reenactment ones about aliens or unsolved murder or whatever. Welcome to the podcast, Andrew Cromwell. Yay! Welcome, buddy. Thank you. Thank you for having it, me. It is so lovely to have you here. I'm so excited to talk about this. It's going to be fun. All right. So we're going to just jump right in. Uh, so let's pretend someone listening to this has never heard of Doctor Who. How would you explain it to them? What's your intro? Well, interestingly enough, I want to preface this as so many other guests I probably have about not being an expert in who. You're an expert in your own <laughs> that's fandom right. of yeah. Doctor you, Who. There's no way to do your fandom wrong. <clears throat> yeah, that's very fair. Uh, so <laughs> Doctor Who is a uh, an alien that travels in a like time machine slash space machine, spaceship. Um, you can go anywhere in time and space. Uh, this being has two hearts and uh, can change their features, regenerate. As we talked about, like you can come in at any time with a a new doctor. That's kind of who the doctor is. Interestingly enough as well, I think uh, it was Stephen Moffat who said this, one of the showrunners in the past. He was talking about how the doctor, it's cool because they have two hearts and they never use a gun. They have um, like a screwdriver. Yeah, yeah. Screwdriver, yeah. Yeah, and that's kind of it in a nutshell. It's weird, it's zany, it's campy, it's fun. It can be for everyone, it can be for no one. It's like just a show that is always near and dear to my heart. <laughs> it's campy, but it's also very heartfelt. Like there's episodes that just like destroy, like that you end up, you're sobbing. You're like, why yep. is my face so wet? Yep. It's beautiful. Yeah, I think of it, I think of Doctor Who, this is going to shock and surprise everyone, very much in the same category of Buffy in that like it doesn't have the, like it, it started being low budget, and so that's where that camp comes from. But the storytelling underneath the camp is so good mm-hmm. that it just like it can hit 
all of those different levels um, and like really, really get to the heart of something, yeah. you know, which I love. I love get that. Get to the two hearts of something. They get to the two <laughs> hearts of something. Exactly. 100%. So how did you get into Doctor Who? What was the thing that hooked you? Um, Who's your doctor? Well, it's interesting because I, I got into it a bit late. I got into it about a decade ago. Okay. Um, I was rehearsing for a play, but I was otherwise unemployed. Mm -hmm. So in between rehearsals, uh, when I had nothing much to do, I just binged all of what was available. I think it was on Netflix at the time. Incredible. And uh, I think since it was 2013, uh, Matt Smith was the, definitely the doctor. Um, and I sort of started uh, with Eccleston and then worked my way all through to just catching up and then having to wait for it to be released, which is a lot of who. That's a lot yeah. of who. It's a lot of who. Yeah. I, I was unemployed for a while, so. <laughs> <laughs> and you used it very wisely, Actors I'd say. Actor's life. Actor's life. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I don't want to be sad by not working. I'm just going to watch this fictional character fly across the universe and save people. Amazing. Um, so, uh, oh yeah, how did you, so what, like, who's your doctor? Who do you, are you like, this is my guy? Well, sort of like surface level, um, I very much enjoy David Tennant. Uh, so the 10th Doctor, yep. not the 14th, we'll get to that in a bit. Um, yeah. But I, I think the reason why I liked uh, David Tennant's Doctor is there was like a gravity and um, like a weight to being the last of your kind. Yeah. And that, you know, face being completely drenched in tears from the battles that that incarnation of the Doctor had to deal with in terms of grappling with uh, survivor guilt, but grappling with having committed a genocide of two aliens species, uh, the Daleks and the Time Lords, um, which we find out later they were actually in a pocket dimension, but like whatever. Um, <laughs> but it's just like that that sort of weight uh, was really interesting to see. Uh, there were some really cool moments as well um, that I found with uh, Tenant's Doctor, but at the same time, that just because that's my favorite doesn't mean it's the best. No, and that's the beauty of Doctor Who is that there's so much for everyone that no matter who you are and what you come to the show with, like you're going to find a, a doctor or a companion that really resonates with you. Yeah, 100%. I will say, though, David Tennant does seem to be a fan favorite across the board. Like, maybe it's because he was there for so long and he had and a chance. Back. Yeah. <laughs> a very good point. Yeah, you, you just can't David keep that guy down. If you had a David Tennant at the beck and call and you could call him up and be like, yo, come back. Wouldn't you? I'd call him to just hang out with me while I do laundry or something. Yeah. <laughs> just like, hey, bud, you want to come over and do some chores? <laughs> um, yeah, but it does seem as though he's like he's got a lot of people's hearts. He he, he seems like sort of the Picard of the, yeah. of the Who universe. Ooh, if that if I that's like a it. fair comparison, yeah. Did I do it? Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah, never cruel nor cowardly, but also just like. Yeah, 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 yeah. He can be fun. He can be a little silly, but also he can... And he could have a fury, like, against them. People yeah. turn into some scarecrows. Which is interesting. When you think of the both of them, they're both, like, actors that got big on genre shows, but are actually just, like, really phenomenal actors. Deep theatrical yeah. actors. Yeah, just goes to show that pulling a lot of gravitas, even though your aliens have plungers attached to them, <laughs> works. <laughs> you know? It works. They're yep. so good. I take, love the take it seriously, and people will feel it. That's the thing, <laughs> and it's you know it reminds me of the Muppets as well. Whenever you have like the Muppets Christmas Carol or the oh the, Michael Caine, like when people act like you are also actors and they're just so in it, you can get away with anything around them as long as that person is committed to the the moment of it. Look, maybe because we're coming up on the the holiday season, but Michael Caine in that movie, one of his best performances. I'm, I, I'll I'll stick to that. He's Muppet feeling Christmas it. Carol. He's feeling it. Okay, <laughs> we were talking about the doctors. If you had to rank the post two thousands doctors worst to best, how would you rank them for you? Well, that's sort of tough because uh, even though Tenant, like number ten, is my personal favorite, there are elements to like about all of them. Ooh, okay. Then like what? Let's uh, not rank them. Let's just talk about what's beautiful about them. So in contrast to what Steph said about Matt Smith being super angry, I kind of like that juxtaposition of like this zany guy on the surface that's like deeply, just deeply frustrated or just deeply upset and also kind of scary in a way because you have this... He felt like an angry teen yeah. a bit. He's just like, I'm mad at my parents and everyone, and oh, I'm trying to fuck you. Yeah. It can be jarring, though, when you're used to that being a comforting figure. Like, I remember in the uh, movies about the boy wizard um, that we don't talk about as much anymore. Um, <laughs> they who shall not be named. Yeah, um, the, uh, uh, the discount Gandalf um, was <laughs> uh, came in at... Look, uh, I, I feel the need to preface this, that the if you love... The boy wizard, you can love it. 100%. We just, for political reasons, we don't 
Yes, in imbibe. Yeah, I'll, I'll 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 back up and say I loved those books. Yes. I have a lot of emotional attachment to them. I'm just mad at J.K. Rowling. Yeah, I just want to make sure no one thinks that we're pooping on the no, boy no. wizard. I I loved them just as much as you do. So I'm just again mad at her. Um. So anyway, uh, Dumbledore came in in one of the movies and like shook Harry, and I remember that like really changed the fandom. A lot of people were like, "Wow, that was an angry Dumbledore," and it feels jarring yeah. when like when someone who's comforting to you suddenly gets angry. I feel like that was Matt Smith. Yes. Yes, definitely. Um, and also just like, I, I think there was a lot of stuff in, in Matt Smith's sort of run that I just kind of like. So it was kind of like he was just there while these other things were happening, especially River Song. I love River Song's like arc. I love how it's just so weird and timey-wimey and like the complete opposite trajectory of the Doctor, but because it's Doctor Who, it can exist. Yeah. Right? It's oh, like... Oh, okay, sorry, I've heard... No, no, I've heard this name a lot. Who is River Song? So River Song, the simplest way to describe her is she is the wife of the Doctor, but how she came about was in um, David Tennant's run. So uh, for 10, uh, there's a great episode called The Silence in the Library, and I think it's The Forest of the Dead. I'm really bad with episode names. Um... But in the silence of the library, he meets this figure, uh, River Song, and he has no idea who this person is, but there's little things that she's dropping little hints about, like, how she knows uh, the doctor. And it's like, mm -hmm. we're, we're going to be very close one day. So what then happens is, like, River reveals that she has a sonic screwdriver, and then the doctor's like, wait, hold on, how do you have a sonic? And then at a certain point, just to try to, like, share that she actually is someone the doctor's going to trust and not, like, a figure who's trying to trick him, she whispers in his ear his name. Like his actual Ooh. name from Gallifrey, not uh, Doctor, not yeah, not the Doctor, not um, War Doctor, not you know the oncoming storm, any of these things right. that they call uh, him. It's his actual name, which we never, we've never heard. Uh, we have no clue what it is. Never. But in that moment, you're like, oh dang, this person knows. Like, uh, this person's going to be close to the Doctor. We got to find out more about her. And mm -hmm. then she dies at the end of that episode. Or what? That little arc. Like she has to sacrifice herself so that. Um, Number 10 can eventually become whatever incarnation of the Doctor meets River Song. So now I'm on a tangent about this uh, no. secondary character. I love it. Um, the whole show is tangents. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the tangent show. Yeah, we, it's like, do you want to talk about some Cybermen that's weird? Great. Um, but uh, so the cool thing about it is then later on when we get to Matt Smith, we have these companions. We have uh, Rory and Amy, and they're traveling with the doctor for like 10 years. And then at one point they, they get pregnant and you're like, okay, cool. Like that's interesting. And then it's revealed over time that Rory and Amy's uh, daughter is uh, Melody Pond, which in an alien language when it gets left wherever actually stands for river song. So he ends up oh. basically, uh, yeah, it's like he's best friends with the parents of someone who's eventually going to become his wife. And then we slowly see her come back at like different times. Like there's a great episode, um, which now let's skip ahead to another doctor that we can skip to, uh, Peter Capaldi. So number 12, uh, there's an episode called The Husbands of uh, River Song. And in that episode, River and the 12th Doctor are interacting, but River doesn't recognize this doctor. So it's kind of fun because he's had all these fun uh, adventures with her uh, during the Smith era. And then now when it's Capaldi, it's just a completely different take. It's just cool to see how they interact in different ways. And there's some lines towards the end of Capaldi's run where River starts to kind of get to the end of her arc just before she then goes to the library on oh. the planet's name. It's oh. real cool. You're seeing it as it turns Ooh. back on it. That is like a, that's a storytelling puzzle box, yeah. man. That must be so hard and, to write. And there's also, um, in, in the episodes that River Song shows up uh, with Matt Smith's Doctor, it's not in chronological order. So at some points we get her further along in her journey because for the Doctor we see it like kind of chronologically. It's like we get it from 10 through till right. uh, 12. But we don't actually see from her and you kind of have to piece it together backwards like how Melody also because I think she was she was abducted by the silence um, and then taken away from Amy and Rory we don't actually see her grow up but then there's this little girl that was uh, hanging out with Rory and Amy throughout their childhood that actually turns out to be a river that then grows up and then in the episode Let's Kill Hitler we see um, Melody regenerate into River because she was conceived on the TARDIS so she has that time energy oh. to be able to like Doctor Who you're so sneaky with the way you could just they could just change anything they they can, they, they can do anything, and it's written that way, and it's so smart. Like it feel just listening to that, I feel like I need one of those like murder boards with all the red string just to figure out. You like, wouldn't be able to move in that room. There'd be how? red string everywhere. Well, it would be a and laser room. There's thing. also this thing where it's, it's kind of like so. River also. Um, She's imprisoned or spent some time in jail, and you're like, okay, why? Uh, spoiler alert for everybody, or should I say, spoilers? 
Uh, <laughs> um, that's a Doctor Who quote. Yeah, that's for from Rivers Song. Um, but with so she's in prison, and you're like, why is she in prison? Excuse for referencing that she's broken out of prison or has to go back into prison, and then you find out that, um, and this was during Matt Smith's ta- uh, time, that River killed the Doctor. And then you're like, what? How does that sort of work? And then there's like all these oh weird God. things looped together. It's like she didn't actually kill the doctor. And then they have to like repair time. And it's it's a lot. How does anyone keep track of this? You don't. You that's, don't. In, that's incredible. You, you just say yes. Suspend yeah. your disbelief you and you're just okay. dive in. Well, I feel like that... That's that's how you have to do it when you're doing a time travel show. Like you can't get too technical. You you'll you'll get in the weeds so fast. You'll yeah. just trip yourself and yeah. you'll limit how much you can do and yeah. what you can do with you'll it. You'll trip over all the red string. <laughs> it's, it's just and then there, there's there's also like um, at a certain point they talk about time sh- uh, streams and like the doctor's time stream and it gets revisited again where like the doctor goes back into their own timeline and like interacts with different um, points of their lives. Oh my god! And like there's one companion uh, played by Jenna Coleman. Um, Clara. Yep. Uh, so Clara at certain points like pops up in Matt Smith's time and is like different versions. It's the impossible girl. It's like, um, there's like a version of her that's in a Dalek. There's a version Whoa. of her that's in Victorian England. And you're like, how does this person oh, make sense? Creepy, weird. Yeah. And then like the, both of those versions die. And then we meet this young woman in like quote air quote contemporary London or I don't know. It takes place all over England. It can depend. It's filmed in Cardiff, but like, it's kind of like, well, actually, Car- sorry, Cardiff's Wales. It's not England. I want to make anyone Whoa. listening to be like, oh, no. Fire in the comments. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, but but uh, going back to, um, God, I'm, I'm now confusing myself by thinking about uh, Jenna Coleman. Not that- like the just the arc of the character because I've, I've watched a lot of videos this week to try to remember. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. Well, let's talk more about the companions and the people who show up, the people who help him out on his journeys. What do you think makes an ideal companion for the Doctor? I think what's cool about it is something that challenges the doctor in some way. Ooh. Um, just because what that does is it creates just a fun dynamic that can be explored and also that it can be completely different from companion to the next. Like when we first start, we're introduced to, or sorry, not when we first start, when we start when we with- When 2005 start. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're not going to talk about his granddaughter or anything like that. With yeah. Him. Yeah, and I have a feeling for this, we won't be talking a lot about the like 1963 to no, 89 that, version. We'll, we'll do a different episode yeah. about that. Which we can't. We can touch on it if you want, if that's your jam. It's not my jam, but if the conversation flows in that direction, right. great. As we've already seen, I can ramble. If we, need, <laughs> if we need to talk accessories and scarves, let's go. Yeah, let's talk number four scarves. Um, <laughs> but um, no, I think that, so when we first are introduced to the 2005 revival doctor and we get a sense of who Rose is, we see this interesting dynamic between nine and Rose. And then that dynamic completely changes for 10 and Rose. And there's like a love story. Oh yeah. Rose carries over, right? Rose carries over. I don't remember. Does Mickey carry over too? Because he's kind of a companion, but sort of not, but kind of. It's funny because Mickey, like, I think ends up with, um, I'm picturing, I'm picturing her face, but I can't remember the name of the companion. So sorry. Uh, Comes right after Rose, comes before Donna. Why am I forgetting? Oh my gosh. Oh, what? I have it. I'm Martha? Was that yes. Martha? Yes. Yes, Martha Jones. Good work, everyone. Uh, <laughs> we got there eventually. We got there. <laughs> Wibbly, wobbly, timey, wimey. Um, but, uh, Martha, Martha. Martha Jones is like, has a crush on the doctor and that never, um, that never actualizes. And then Donna and the doctor are like best friends. They're, yeah. they're like besties. They've got like all these cool little quirks. Which and- I love that they didn't do a romance for those two and they just allow, like people can have platonic friendships and yes. that's nice. Yeah. Yes. And then like when they throw in like a couple companions as well, like that's totally cool. Like Rory and Amy were a couple. So then the doctor's the third wheel, uh, which is hilarious in <laughs> its own fun. way. Uh, and then when you have, uh, who came out? Oh, then you have um, Clara Oswald when she finally shows up, and then they're like they're also kind of besties. But that dynamic shifts when Clara um, holds over till twelve, and then they're like kind of besties. But one's like the nerdy best friend, and the other one's just kind of like this cool normal person. Uh, there's even like a fun little bit when um, Clara has a um, uh, a partner by the name of P.E. in terms of the doctor. Like, the doctor completely makes fun of the fact that he's a former soldier and gym teacher because he's, like, that best <laughs> friend that's like, I don't like this guy. Um, <laughs> and then with 11, or not 11, wow, uh, 13. Or, yeah, 13 with... Um, why am I losing track? This is how is Jody? ridiculous Jody Whitaker, yeah. Yeah, yeah. With her, she's got multiple companions. She's really? Got, um, she's got, I think, three. Girl, uh, get it. She's got Jazz, she's got Graham, and then she's got, I, why am I forgetting so many companions' names? Because like, there's a lot of them. There's so it's many okay. people it's in okay. this show. <laughs> yeah. There's so <laughs> there's many people. So yeah. it, it, that's kind of a way to change the dynamics, and that makes sense because, like, it's such a long running show. Like, yes. it's hard to hold a show that long without resorting to some jump, sh- jump sharking. Yeah, some gimmicks. Shark jumping. And, and it, 
the the way that the companion leaves the doctor is also something that can be so very sad. Oh yeah. I, yeah. So something can be so very sad. Like um, when we like Rose gets trapped in a parallel universe. So the doctor who never says he loves her, but it's kind of heavily implied. Oh, no. uh, they can no longer be together. And then Martha chooses to leave because she doesn't want to end up kind of always loving this doctor and the doctor never loving her oh, back. Oh, yeah. Um, Donna leaves, interestingly enough, because she absorbs a part of the Time Lord's mind, and then that's going to fry her brain because a human mind can't possibly hold in all that information of being a Time Lord. We're going to see a little bit of that when we get into the 60th because uh, Donna Noble's back. Uh, and what's going to happen when the doctor has the same face she's not allowed to see? I don't know. That's very exciting. Yeah, then we get into um, when when Amy and Rory get pulled back in time by Weeping Angels in a sort of weird time loop way that then the doctor can never see them again. Uh, then we have when he parts ways with River, it's kind of, you know, it's very sad. They have like a romantic evening on like some planet with two singing towers. Um, who else? Oh, Bill. Bill's one I forgot. Uh, she turns into a Cyberman and then becomes this like interdimensional being. Uh, wow, they, just like a red shirt phenomenon with these <laughs> companions. They do not fare well, do they? Yeah, and, well, that's the thing. Like uh, Clara is probably one of my favorite companions because um, the doctor then forgets about her. Like through some sort of a an event, the doctor like forgets everything that happened. Oh, that's always a heartbreaking like yeah. plot device. I hate that. I and mean, I like it, but it, it hurts my heart. There's an episode as well after he tried to save her because some you know side story went wrong and, and whatnot. Um, when the doctor tries to save her at the end of that arc, he actually was telling the story of how he saved someone he can't really remember to Clara. And he's like sitting in a diner talking to her about ah, it. It's like ah, that hurts. That's so upsetting. Yeah, I'm talking uh, like, about a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Let, let's jump for companions. Let's talk about the the villains of the show. The, the, aliens. the aliens, the different the different creatures, the uh, weirdos. That, yeah, some of them are very goofy, as we yes. talked about. Some of them are very very scary. What are like a few that are like standouts for you? So Kai had already mentioned the Weeping Angels. I mean, I feel like that's a standout for everybody. Those yeah. things are terrifying. Well, it's interesting too because. The episode I recommend people get into Who with is Blink. Yes. Blink <laughs> is one of the, like, most iconic yeah. episodes. For those that don't know, the Weeping Angels essentially are a really fucking terrifying version of what time is it, Mr. Wolf? Or, um, like, Boo from Mario. Like, <laughs> yeah, if you yeah. turn your back, it's like, hey. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're not looking at them, they can move. And if you are looking at them, they're statues. And it is just deeply unsettling. <laughs> yep. And it's implied at the end of that episode, too, that every statue is a Weeping Angel. Oh, come at on. The end of Blink. It's, it's not so much pursued beyond that <laughs> little moment. But <laughs> just, like, never forget that they're but, watching you. But yeah. just always. Just they're always, always Every time you see a, a sculpture, just uh, watch your back. This is like how the ring ruined TVs for, you for <laughs> years and years and years. Well, and it's also, I think, part of the lore is that that which is the image of an angel becomes an angel. So if you draw a photo of a weeping angel, it can turn into a weeping angel. If there's like one on a TV screen, they can start to move through that. And you have what? to keep your eyes on the TV screen. Oh, no. Um, there's another one where if you have a memory of it, it can implant in your mind and slowly like come out of you. Like it's oh, terrifying. That's very like don't think of the zebra. And then you immediately think of a zebra. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah, like there's a, there's a moment I forget the the episode name again, but uh, Amy has an angel within her, and she has to close her eyes so it doesn't leave her. But then she has to walk through a forest of weeping, weeping angels, pretending that she can see so that it doesn't tip them off. Because the thing with the weeping angels, like we were talking about with Boo and <laughs> that weird noise that Boo makes, <laughs> <laughs> um, that was good. That was a good Boo. <laughs> Thank you. Imagine the weeping angels made that noise every time you walked by them. <laughs> <laughs> I can hear you. <laughs> no, you can't. <laughs> I'm not here. I'm going to send you back in time and feed on your energy. <laughs> oh, I lied. That's actually very creepy. <laughs> oh, no, that's No bad. longer fun. Oh, yeah. we hate No, no, this. no, no. no. <laughs> but but the, the thing with the weeping angels is like they become quantum locked when you look at them and then they cannot move. So that's why with the episode Blink, it established the rule that you cannot blink when you look at an angel because mm. they have that like you need to keep some living thing needs to keep their eyes on it so that it prevents it from moving. And angels actually can't look at each other because at the end of that episode, at one point when the Tardis, like the, the angels are trying to get into the Tardis and the Tardis disappears, then all of a sudden they're all looking at each other and they're stuck forever. It's kind of you know, formation of where the Tardis used to be. They deserved it. They did. They should have left them alone. Yeah, they're the worst. <laughs> There's actually an even arc with the Weeping Angels and uh, Jodie Whittaker's Doctor where they take her to this thing that she had. Like, there's so much that happens in Who. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> other com other um, uh, villains that I like. I really like the Vashta Narada. Like those like air piranhas that exist in shadows that oh, came up in what? Science of the Library. They were only in two the two episodes, um, but they're these like little spore like things that live in trees that like exist everywhere. Um, and it's kind of like if you see someone with two shadows, you know they're 
screwed. Um, what? Cool. Yeah. They're really, really terrifying. I don't think we've ever seen those again. Uh, it'd be cool. If Do you want to see them come back? back? Oh, that'd be so awesome. That'd be so awesome. Especially because we have David Tennant back again as 14, so it'd be kind of cool to see that. I don't know. Okay, I need to understand. I'm just going to jump away from this for a second because we keep talking about David Tennant as 14. And I haven't read anything about the what's coming up for the new episode. So can you explain how 10 equals 14? <laughs> I, I don't know if 10 does equal 14. How is he for, but what, how, how, why, so what? It, it's at the end of the 50th anniversary special, um, Matt Smith's doctor is in an art gallery with the curator. And okay. the curator is Tom Baker. And in a kind of weird, like, conversation. Who was a doctor. Yes, who was the fourth doctor. What? We're not going to talk about, like, the content of OG Who, but we can talk about when, like, OG doctors come into right. modern, or the revival Who. And is Tom uh, Baker the one whose daughter married David Tennant? No, that's the fifth doctor. Okay. Um, oh, my Lord. He's, he is married, uh, David Tennant is married to the daughter of a doctor. Yeah, Georgia actor. Tennant. Wait, in real life? Yeah. Yes, in real life. Wow. Yeah. I, I love this. Wibbly wobbly timey wimey. Yeah. <laughs> Reality bending in on itself. And it, it's funny because um, I don't know much of Georgia's work, but she was in um, Staged, which was uh, like a web series that they had um, during the pandemic where uh, David Tennant and Michael Sheen were trying to rehearse a play over Zoom. <laughs> and <laughs> Oh, yeah, I heard about this. And they had their real-life partners. It was like an exaggeration of, like, being an actor in the pandemic and whatnot. And uh, Georgia Tennant, just from what little I've seen of her, seems like she'd be so cool and so relatable. And my wife just loves it, and I think they'd get along very well. Well, oh. she was on an episode of Doctor Who, wasn't she? Yes, she actually played the Doctor's daughter. Uh, <laughs> Yeesh. I'm not sure I love that. Yeesh. <laughs> well, I think that's how they met. Like, she plays like, so they, the Doctor 10 goes down to this, like, alien planet where these people are uh, at war. And I guess a part of him gets, like, copied or cloned. And that becomes, like, this uh, character that has two hearts. And at the end of the episode, that character, quote, unquote, dies. And you're like, oh, no, she wasn't, like, fully a Time Lord. She wasn't able to regenerate. And then at the end of the episode, she just comes back to life and then goes off to the universe to have adventures. Never see her again in the show. Never again. The Whoa. show. I think she shows up in the comics. I don't know. Oh, oh, yeah, because of course it's comics. Yeah, why would you have all the continuity be in one media format? Yeah, no. Why that, not have all of them? Of course, yes. Yeah. Um, this is already all over the map with me talking about different things. <laughs> like Wibbly Wobbly Tommy Wimmy. Yeah, everything at it, once. Okay, so here's a question that I have to ask. So modern Who eras are kind of very defined by showrunner, it seems to me, as an outsider. Um, so whose work do you gravitate towards the most, Russell T. Davies, Stephen Moffat, or Chris Chibnall? I liked Russell T. Davies for that darkness of being the last Time Lord, of being sort of the last of your kind, and that weight of through 9 and 10, seeing like I, I had to pull the plug on my species, I have to live with this. I have to yeah. be the last Time Lord ever. Although we, when we were talking about um, enemies earlier, and I know we got off track with talking about the Vashta Narada, but um, the Doctor's nemesis is another Time Lord named the Master. Yes. And the Master apparently survived the Time War, so that was a cool part about the revival of Doctor Who, is we see the Master come back, and then it's like they're the last two of their kind. Whoa. So something- That's not alleviate some guilt. It, it, it does. Like, well, I didn't kill them all. But then in, in just this, my rival. Just That's the most of, I just killed just, most of them. Just an evil one is yeah, the I one left, that I kept around. I mean, yeah, but you didn't kill them all. Yeah, that's true. I, it's it's cold comfort, but it's, it's comfort. Yeah. <laughs> uh, glass half full. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The, in Russell T Davies, and again, I don't, I don't know um, who wrote these episodes, so it's possible that like some of the things I'm attributing to Russell T Davies is actually Stephen Moffat because he wrote Blink, he wrote right. a few other like Midnight, I think, um, and a few of the other like really. Cool episodes. So there's some overlap there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's like uh, different showrunners wrote at different times, and like some one of the episodes I really like, which I'm now forgetting. I think it's like Heaven Sent or something like that. Um, that was written in part by like all three, like Chris Chibnall. Oh, oh, oh dang. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but like with Russell T Davies, that, that that sort of weight was cool because then we sort of see uh, in those specials towards the end of Tenant's tenure. Ooh, fun. Um, we see the Doctor talk about regenerating, and the Doctor was saying like, oh kind of feels like dying because everything that I am disappears and this new at the time it was a man so they were like this new man goes sauntering away so we see the doctor oh. kind of lament about the fact that when they're gone they're technically gone forever yeah mm. they have the memories but it's a completely different person their physiology has changed like everything about yeah. them has kind of changed um, so we have that and then we also have with the master uh, coming back in one of those same series uh, the master then get shot by something after like a world plot to take over the whole world and whatnot, uh, that the master gets shot and refuses to regenerate and refuses to give the doctor the satisfaction of being like, you saved one. No, I'm going to 
I'm just going to punch my own ticket. Oh, what Bye. a dick. What yeah. a move. Yeah. My That's Lord. That's brutal. Stephen Moffat arguably wrote better episodes, uh, but I didn't like kind of under his watch that the show was kind of like, oh, the doctor disappeared. Now they're back and 400 years have passed. Like I was kind of like, well, what did the doctor do when they were gone? Right. Yeah. That's a long time. I want to see. I yeah. want to see that. It was like the last time we talked, you were 900. Now you're 1200. Like what's going on? That's um, a lot of years. Yeah, yeah. It's true. A lot can happen. Considering the years that we've seen of him, a lot happens. Like, and that's only been what? How many human years? Yeah. Like, was he just at an all inclusive for 300 years? Like, <laughs> what, like, what happened? Was he like, chilling? I'm recover, you know, just another spicy mark, please. Yeah. He learned how to knit. He watched all of Doctor Who. You know, he, <laughs> he, he, he caught up on some shit in the meantime and then decided to come back to adventuring. Honestly, would watch. Honestly, would watch. I'd watch that. Sounds series. fun. <laughs> just like a weird spiritual ASMR version of Doctor <laughs> Who. Now, interestingly, though, with like the journey of, of the Doctor and also the showrunner, showrunners. Wow, English, I can speak it. Um, so Chris Chibnall, when he partnered with uh, Jodie Whittaker, was the, the doctor for Chris Chibnall. There was like this new thing that they did where the doctor apparently comes from beyond our galaxy, beyond our universe, sorry, and was the first uh, being that could then regenerate. And the Time Lords then took that like power from the doctor and that's what allows them to regenerate. So it kind of cheapens some, oh, sorry, in my view, it kind of cheapens some of like that lore of like, oh, the doctor only gets 12 or yeah, like 12 regenerations or 11 regenerations. Then all of a sudden breaking the rule of regeneration, the time Lords gave the doctor more regenerations, but then suddenly it's like, no, they were the first, they were the OG regeneration. So like they can do it as many times as they want. I don't know. Like I, I artistically, I think what Chris Chibnall did was great. I just, as a, as a fan at the time, I was like, what? No, come on. But now looking back at it, who can be for everyone? So who cares? Yeah. Yeah, totally. But it, I can also understand the, like, it feels like the cheapening of the stakes a bit where you're like, I thought we had a limited time. And so that makes everything a little more intense, a little more like important. And, and Chris Chibnall also had a little bit where all the doctors that we kind of know from uh, OG who to now the revival, um, there was actually like a whole batch of doctors that we don't even know about. Like there was a fugitive doctor. I forget the actor who played them, but like the doctor goes onto earth and then meets somebody. And it was like a past version of the doctor predating the first doctor. And you're like, when does that even happen? Right. How many lives has the doctor lived and how mm -hmm. many versions and incarnations are out in the universe doing things while time, you know, intersects. Cause in the specials, the doctor meets themselves and it happens fairly often. And that's kind of cool. Um, yeah, that's a lot. It's a lot. I realize that, like, I have been following the show for over a decade, and I'm getting confused just thinking about it, yeah. and I'm in it to win it. I feel like I'm on shrooms just listening to this. I'm just like, time is meaningless. Time, time, it's a wibbly-wobbly. It's like most people think of time as a linear cause and effect, but it's actually this ball of... <laughs> okay, so here's a question for you. Um, on the subject of sort of the more recent Doctors, the series has been sort of embracing the greater possibilities of a regenerating alien, so, like, Casting Jodie Whittaker is the first female doctor, and now Shudigatwa is the first black doctor. What do you think that might mean for fans who kind of finally get to see themselves represented in him? I think it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's so cool. Does not shock me, but yeah. <laughs> I, I, I was I, I when we switched over from Peter Capaldi to Jodie Whittaker. I remember there was like this backlash, like yeah. you can't make the doctor a woman, and it's like, oh really? Women can't be doctors. Yeah. yeah. Well, first of all, it was sort of like um, the this I forget this Gallifrey in general that regenerates into a woman after having been a man for X amount of time. And it's like, oh, cool. It's already established that they can do that. They don't have to stay. Yeah. This, even, even with the master, the master um, who quote unquote dies with David Tennant comes back as Missy. And it's this huge like reveal. It's like, oh no, the master's still here and the master's now a woman. So it's already established that gender doesn't mean anything oh to Gallifreyans and time or yeah. Time Lords and Gallifreyans I think are technically different things. Um, so not all Gallifreyans are Time Lords, but all Time Lords are Gallifreyans? I think so. Hashtag not all Gallifreyans. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. No, don't. Oh, no. Don't, don't. No, no, don't that's, do that. That's why the War Doctor wiped them all out. He was just like, no, we can't have this. <laughs> We're not having this discourse in the universe. <laughs> Go into I'm your sorry. I apologize. Yeah, Go into your <laughs> vortex. move on. Uh, <laughs> but so when, when Jodie Whittaker was announced, it was like, wow, wicked. Give her a chance. Like, let's see this great actor do this thing. Totally. And while at the time when I was watching it, I had issue with the stories that were coming out from Chris Chibnall, I didn't have an issue with how she was playing the doctor. Right. Yeah. I, I didn't have an issue with like her take on this character. In fact, I liked it a lot. Um, so now that Chudy is coming into it, I'm like, 
yeah. Also, I'm mixed, so it's like, yeah. <laughs> my guy. <laughs> yeah, my guy. Yo, you're into TARDIS? No. <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> but, but it was cool because I also thought I was gonna, once Whitaker had kind of come to uh, her regeneration, I was like, you know what, maybe I'll, maybe I'll take, a, take a backseat to Who allow a bunch of episodes to come out and then catch up later. Mm -hmm. And then when uh, the 15th Doctor, because of that whole insert of the the uh, 10th came in, or I guess 14th came in, I was like, yes, I would love to see uh, Black Doctor. I would love to see everyone eventually get, take their turn as the yeah. Doctor because it doesn't matter. They fit in a box that's bigger on the inside and fly through time and space with two hearts. It, yeah. Who cares? Literally, <laughs> It literally makes more sense in the narrative that he would change gender, change race, all of these things like that, that fits exactly what the, the concept is, yeah. Yeah. right? The doctor can be for everyone and the doctor should eventually look like everyone if it's around long enough to get to a 70th anniversary, yeah. 80th yeah. anniversary. Maybe it's just me, but I know if I could regenerate, I would be like, let's try another one. <laughs> <laughs> like, let's go. I don't want to do the same thing. I did that, baby. Yeah. Yeah. And there, there was also like a, a fun gag when 10 turned into 11, where 10 was just, or 11 was like, you know, oh my gosh, I'm a girl. And then he feels his Adam's apple. He's like, not a girl. And he checks his hair. He's like, oh, still not ginger. So there's like little <laughs> things where like, there's like this kind of game of like, what's going to happen when I regenerate? I don't know. That's fun. Um, but what I, what I got away from, and I'll, I'll quickly get to it, is we talked about Tom Baker coming back as the curator. And at one point, Tom Baker says, uh, or the curator character says, like, you might find yourself revisiting some old faces. And in that moment, it's oh. like, oh, okay. So the doctor can look like uh, people that they've either met before, Ooh. like with 12 looking like the person that they saved in Pompeii. Because mm -hmm. 10, like um, Peter Capaldi played a character in like the episode about Pompeii where yes. the 10th Doctor oh, goes back dang. and we see Capaldi there. Yeah. So then it's like when 12 looks at their face, it's like, why do I have this face? Why is it this face? Yeah. So that they could address the fact that it's like a guy that's been on the show before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. funny. Um, so that idea had been present. So now that we have the 14th Doctor played by David Tennant, I don't think it's going to be the same as 10. I think there's going to be oh. similarities because it's like the same sort of face and like the same teeth because that's the first line the Doctor, the 14th Doctor says, <laughs> I know these teeth. Um, <laughs> Because and that's a callback to ten. Because when nine became ten, uh, tenant was just or ten was just like, hmm, new teeth. That's weird. <laughs> that's <laughs> so, funny. I mean, that would be very weird if you woke up one day and you had completely different teeth in your mouth. You'd yeah, be like, what? you really don't think about that. But you know, now that I'm thinking about it, I can't unthink. You're it. only used to your own teeth. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, that what would be other jarring. teeth feel like? <laughs> and it, so huh. that is to say that like it'll be interesting to see what fourteen's all about played by a masterful, classically trained actor Ooh. in this world that doesn't really make sense, but it's just here for everybody and it's zany and anything can happen and anything has happened. Oh, so it'll be fun. But I like the, the classically trained actors really ground this shit. Yeah. It's awesome. Now yeah. that I'm thinking about it, it, it really can, makes a huge difference. Yeah, it can really go off the walls and it, with all of these, it's like the more cartoony villains, the more like aliens that are just, uh, the giant face that's stretched oh across. Oh my God, Cassandra? Yeah, so like there's so many strange things oh, Cassandra, sorry. that they're looking at and just to have this person sit there in this like uh, deep drama of it. Yeah, just the gravitas. Like, the gravitas of like this giant stretched face is a real person and I respect them. And I have to deal with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, before we move on, what's the nerdiest thing you've done in relation to this fandom? I went to the Doctor Who experience in Cardiff. Oh, cool. Hey. What was it like? Was Did it an you go experience? to Cardiff? For Doctor Who? Yes. Yes, I love it. That's love phenomenal. It. Of course, that's excellent. I was such a big nerd. I was uh, So I was kind of on my way back from visiting in Australia for a little bit, and I went to go see some of my friends in the UK. And I was like, well, I got to go to the Doctor You have to. You go. have to. You'll and, regret it forever. <laughs> well, my buddy, it's actually very funny. Uh, my buddy Blue, he and I were both in London, and he read his flight details wrong. So we were supposed to go to the experience together. And oh, no. he stayed in his hotel because he's like, I got I to gotta fly out in the morning. I can't be with you on a bus to, to Cardiff. Yeah. So then when I'm at the experience, he, he sends me a text and he's just like, hey, uh, I could have gone with you. Oh, <laughs> no. So I took Brutal. all sorts of photos. It was great. Oh, <laughs> but it was great? Oh, it was, it was phenomenal. So you, you at the time, you had like um, an interior of Tens Tardis. So I got to take a photo next <gasps> to Tens Tardis. I That's can send so that to cool. you guys. Oh, hell yeah. Please. please do. We'll post it. Uh, and uh, that was kind of that was kind of it. Also, I was like a little sick from traveling so much. So the fact that like I hauled myself from the hostel 
to the, this was pre-COVID, so you didn't wear masks if you felt a little under the weather. You just kind of sucked it up. like, I'm yeah. fine. You'll be fine. Everyone's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I remember, because what had happened was, in terms of the nerdiest thing I'd done is I left the experience. And then I was like, I should go back and get a picture with the inside of the TARDIS. Yeah, 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 you should. Yeah, you should. <laughs> and now you have it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Incredible. All right. Um, okay, so um, we're going to get on to our hot takes in just a minute. But before we do that, this episode is brought to you by tpublic.com, where you're going to find your next favorite tea. Tpublic has unique, nerdy designs available on t-shirts, tank tops, hoodies, mugs, stickers, phone cases, so many things. If you can put a design on it, they got it. Um, and you can find so many different designs, anything you love, and you can put it on anything and customize that thing so that it's, it's exactly the way you want it. Yeah, if you're like... You know what? Green isn't my color. That shirt can be blue. If you're like, you know what? I don't want a short sleeve. I want a long sleeve. You can do that. You can do anything. Bam. You got the power. You have the power <laughs> at Tee Public. Uh, the best part, too, is that all of the designs are made by indie artists. So you are supporting um, independent artists when you buy T-shirts there because they get a fair commission for their work. Um, and you're not only supporting indie artists, you're also supporting this podcast. Thank you. Which is super awesome. And we love that. So thank you so much. Um, so head on over to tpublic.thefandomshow.com to check out all of our merch and favorite designs from Tee Public. That's tpublic.thefandomshow.com. Thank you, Tee Public, for your support. And this month... Month, there are sales all month, so check it out. November, December, there's going to be sales. You're going to go there. You're going to get cheap discounts on T-shirts. You're going to love it. Yeah, it's going to be perfect. So check that out. Thank you so much, Public. Thank you. And now into our hot take. So our first hot take comes from friend of the podcast, former guest, Brian Edwards, oh, um, saying, having a companion have romantic feelings for the doctor, like Rose and Martha, makes for a worse dynamic. Rose especially came off as jealous and possessive, making the show a lot less fun. Stop making the doctor an object of romance, unless the pairing is the 11th doctor and me. <laughs> <laughs> Immediately at the end, it's like, also, never mind, I just want the doctor. <laughs> I love that, Brian. <laughs> Do you, yeah, how do you feel about the Doctor as a romantic pairing I, in the show? I I liked it, but that was also because that was my introduction. Like I was kind of getting into who at the same time that these episodes had already existed because I was kind of catching up. But I also think that that really added weight to the fact that the Doctor wasn't ever able to say that he loved Rose Tyler. He was like, I suppose I'm going to say it, Rose Tyler. And then the Dimension window closes and he's back uh, on his TARDIS alone about to cry Whoa. and all that sort of stuff. So I, I think it – overall, I, I agree with that sentiment that it can be a little weird to have a dynamic with like a centuries or millennia old alien. And a young of, woman. And a young woman, yeah. Very Twilight. <laughs> <laughs> he just watches her sleep. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> I, I don't like that. I think it works better when there's not a romantic uh, dynamic, but I think they've they've done it and it worked, and yeah. now they can explore other things. Make it gay. Make that romance they did. gay. Wait, what? They did. <gasps> when? With uh, Jazz and um, and Jodie Whittaker's Doctor. Um, oh, there's like yay. a little. I guess I'm watching Doctor Who again. Now. Thing. It was, and it was great too because it, it was it was subtle, but it was also the sweetest thing. That's like they have, nice. They have a nice moment where they're on the top of the TARDIS, looking out at either like a galaxy um, exploding or a supernova or something, and they just kind of spent those last few moments together, and it was just like, oh, oh that's lovely. That's love when, so nice. Love when things are gay. Um, okay, how about this? The weeping angels are great in their first episode. Once they could kill, they became less scary. I disagree. Okay. That's fair. But I think in terms of how they kill can be the scary part. Okay. How do they kill? Well, uh, in one episode with Matt Smith, uh, the, I, I guess the, the Weeping Angel like possesses the voice of someone that they have killed. So at one point, no. at one point Smith is like, ta or sorry, Eleven is talking to this person and the person's just like, that's how they killed me. He's like, wait, hold on. They killed you? It's like, yeah, they killed me. They snapped my neck. And you're just like, What? And there's, there's this moment, too, that the, the voice says, and the voice is just like, the angel has no voice, therefore I'm their voice. And at one point also, the, um, that voice had said, like, they snapped my neck. It was more painful than I thought, but it was at least quick. And I was like, dang. Well, but also, hold on. Like that. Uh, these, these, like, scary demon weeping angels, they just killed by snapping a neck? They can. I feel like they would have so many more, like, there's so many ways that something like that should be able to kill you that isn't just, like, 
done. Well, I think that makes them a little bit scarier too, because it's like, if they touch you, are they going to kill you? Or are they going to send you way back in time and then feed off the potential of your time energy and stuff? Oh, so I think gosh. just for me, they're, they're creepy, but I, I, I get how changing them from being like these interdimensional beings that like get quantum locked when you look at them suddenly are able to like just murder people. I can see how that can be upsetting. I do. I do think that it's a funny take the idea of like, if it can kill you, it's not that scary. <laughs> That's usually the opposite feeling I have about the world. <laughs> uh, so this one is from our discord, uh, Jess Mano again, saying the fact that Martha Jones was written to deserve better doesn't change the fact that she deserved better than what she got. Martha and Mickey both played the black character who was not yes. good enough to end up with the main character. Yes. That, that was something I was uh, thinking about slightly where it was like, yeah, Martha and, and Mickey end up together. And you're just like, just because they're black? Like what? I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Why Why would they get be together? Because they met who at, or sorry, they met the doctor at just various times in their life. And then they form some kind of a resistance. And just because of their melanin, they're now in love. Like, yeah, they both deserve better than that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Jodie Whittaker was underrated. Her acting was great and she embodied the doctor very well. She felt like the doctor in a, in a way Peter Capaldi rarely did for me. I agree. Jodie, Jodie was great. Jodie's fantastic. Why do you think she's underrated? Is it because she's a woman? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think the toxic masculinity of some of the sci-fi fandom that exists out there really undervalues like what she could bring to the table just as a performer. You didn't have to minimize it simply because they didn't have the same... I guess, look of you. Yeah. yeah. It's really the Ghostbusters effect, right? Is that yeah. they're, they're starting at a deficit. So like no matter what they do and like, you know, there's plenty to criticize about that, that reboot that has absolutely nothing to do with the fact that any of them are women. Yeah. Um, but they, when you're starting in the minus category with so many people who are going to dislike it as a, as a baseline, then you're just working so hard to get back to even. Yeah. And it sucks. A woman having to work twice as hard as a man? Who knew? <laughs> oh, true. Uh, um, okay, how about this? Um, this, is, this one is from Pie Bandit. Uh, Doctor Who has built into its canon three of the greatest mechanisms to handle any type of continuity error. First, and most commonly known is regenerations. Um, Doctor behaving slightly differently? He regenerated. He's sort of a new person, but not really. The second is a fixed point in time. Uh, the show is about time travel. Why can't he go back and fix it? Fixed point in time, sorry. And the third, which I think is the most clever, the doctor lies. Ooh. So was there a question in there? Or they just no, no, no. This is just their, <laughs> their statement about That's the just like, their take. What oh. do you think? Their take is about how Doctor Who has created these perfect mechanisms to be able to excuse literally anything. Okay. Yes. I, I like that take. I mean, the doctor lies is also like a really big thing because the doctor's supposed to be this hero. This doctor's supposed to be this person that like saves humanity is also kind of in some stories the president of the earth. Oh, so, interesting. That's a turn. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, is, it has popped up a couple times. It, it happened more in Capaldi's turn. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so it, it's interesting to see that like this, this being that like has a special place in their hearts for humanity also will lie. And it's like, yeah. why are they lying? Is it to protect people? Is it to hide something about themselves? Is it just to be kind of a douche? Like, I'm not sure. But I, I think the also the, the plot points about like the regeneration and personality, I think was addressed in that special I was talking about earlier where uh, David Tennant's who was just like, a new person goes walking away. So that's, that's interesting. And also fixed point, the hard thing to do with that is if they go back to deal with Captain Jack Harkness. Oh, I love Jack Harkness. Yeah. I love him. We didn't even talk about Torchwood at all because obviously it's an entirely different <laughs> yeah, thing. Yeah, we could do a whole other episode just on Torchwood. Just a sexy little space dude. Just, just uh, a sexy little he space is so dude. so fun. Yes. <laughs> he's, he's very swaggery, right? A very like Mal Reynolds kind of yeah, vibe. Very much so. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I, well, it's also cool because like some of the fixed point, like in the Waters of Mars, there's a moment where Doctor Who chooses to be, or sorry, not Doctor Who, the 10th Doctor chooses to be, quote unquote, the Time Lord victorious. They kind of have a little dark slip, which is interesting throughout the entire series is when the Doctor kind of has a little dark slip. Ooh, I love it. And the Doctor chooses to save someone that was supposed to die because like, you know what? I can do what I want. I don't care. And that person's like, no one should have that much power. And then the person that they save ends up going to, um, trigger warning, kill themselves. Uh, to save the, the timeline and keep things kind of as they existed. Um, yeah. Here, here's a question. Do you think the doctor's a good person? Ooh. Dang. I, I think they're deeply complex, and I love the exploration of that. Peter Capaldi's doctor asked the question of Clara. It's like, Clara, am I a good man? And that question's not really answered. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's 
like, how does anyone ever answer that? Right? Like, don't, isn't that most of what we spend our life asking ourselves? You know, I, I had this stupid idea for like, uh, like a fan series about like Doctor Who in that universe. And there was, you know, the doctors doing all their adventures. But then I had this idea for another Time Lord that calls themselves like the caretaker. Uh, and they're basically dealing with all the messes that the oh, doctor makes. Oh, they go around the behind him. Oh, my clean God. Up. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I like Please that make a lot. That. <laughs> That's Please very fun. That. Yeah. Anyone at BBC, hit me up. I'll uh, I'll give you a treatment, maybe. I don't know. I also feel that just like having, having if you're going to have a main character especially be the same for such a long time, having that complexity and the like the ability to fall into darkness, to lie, to make mistakes is critical. If that was just good guy all the way through chaotic or sorry, uh, lawful good all the way through, man, that would get stale so fast. And there's a moment with, um, with Clara and 12 where Clara is like sort of consigned to having to die because of some kind of a rule, um, where, um, they basically tried to save someone and then put like a target on their back. And, the doctor starts to speak very darkly about what they will do if the person, um, I forget, Maisie Williams plays the character, I forget the character's name, um, but it's sort of like, I will, and he starts listing off all these threats. Whoa. And the person's like, the doctor would never do that. And Peter Capaldi says, the doctor isn't here right now, you're talking to me. And then suddenly it's like in that moment, the doctor stops with that promise and that moniker and they start calling themselves just whatever. And that also came up during the war doctor, which is a doctor that came before nine, but after eight, because in that incarnation, they didn't consider themselves the doctor. It's, yeah, that's oh. cool. I like that. I like yeah. when you dive in and it's like, who is this person that is not taking this oath of never be cruel, never be cowardly, never be the doctor yeah. and be this monster. Reminds me of the conversation we had with Heesh about Deep Space Nine of just like the idea of a complex captain who makes really difficult decisions, mm -hmm. you know? And there's a darkness behind that that you have to address because also we're comparing this this Time Lord, this alien to uh, human standards and to our own humanity. So we don't know what rules they live by. Yeah, how do you deal with universal, non-time-specific ethics? Yeah. Ugh, messy. Well, there, there was an episode, again, under um, with Capaldi, where they talk about how the thing you notice about the Doctor is they're never armed. Yeah. And then there's also, uh, I've, I, now I'm blending all the Doctors in my head, but one of the uh, arcs, the Doctor's like, you've heard all the stories, has there been anyone to stop me? So it's like, when the doctor, <laughs> if the Doctor were to choose to go down a path, they could do whatever they wanted. And it's interesting because in one of the arcs with 12 where Missy gifts the doctor with an army, it's like, Mr. President, happy birthday. You've got this army that can do whatever you want. Oh. It's like you turn people into soldiers all the time. Well, here's an army for you. And then uh, 12 is like, you know what? I'm an idiot. I'm just a man in a box. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just kind of running around the universe and I'm just trying to play things. And it's that kind of waiver of like, could be a god, but chooses to be a man or woman or person yeah. is interesting. It's That's when who's fun. Look, I heard a little phrase once uh, from a friend of mine that great power, <laughs> with it comes great responsibility. Did you write that? Yeah. You know what? I did. That's really smart. Yeah. You should do something with that. Yeah, I should. You know what? I should. <laughs> I think I could get really famous. <laughs> Um, yeah, but you know what? It, as as much as I make fun, it is such an evergreen theme because yeah. like power is, is constant, yeah. you know? It's something we all deal with. Yeah. Power corrupts, man, and you have to choose. You have to choose what to do with it. Oh. All right. Well, now we're all thinking. Now we're all uh, deep in our and thoughts and feelings. I think feelings. that's what I love most about uh, Doctor Who is that it can get you to think and it can get you to feel really emotional about things that are just dumb. Yeah. Like the rings of Akaten when uh, Eleven is giving a speech to a son about all the things that they've done in their past and that like they're sort of kind of alone and it's just so cool and like every time I watch it I can kind of tear up a little bit. Kind Why is of. he yelling at a son though? Oh because this son <laughs> is trying to like feed off a planet's fear I think and it's like you know what don't take the planet take me. Take oh. all my memories take all my oh, boy. the things that I've done and then the son actually can't handle it. And the son's like, oh, dang, Yo, you two messed up for me. I, I gotta go. Got in too deep. I, I mean, I feel like that is truly the value. And we were talking a little bit earlier about like how campy this show is or can be. Mm -hmm. um, but I feel like that really is the value of like fantasy and sci-fi is that it allows you to play out these like hypotheticals on a real scale with like real emotional uh, weight to them. Um, and I think it really serves a really important part of like literature and storytelling because yeah. it lets us go outside the boundaries of what we know and start thinking about what could be true. 
and what we would do in those situations yeah. and how we would approach those giant uh, ethical decisions. Totally. Some of the most interesting philosophy in film and television is in sci-fi and fantasy. My hot take. Hot um, take. Speaking of hot takes, there's one more thing. Uh, my hot take is a spicy one. I feel like the decision to bring back De- David Tennant, though a fantastic doctor, is not the best choice. Um, and that it uh, it could have given a new actor like Shudi Gatwa or another, uh, or wait, hang on. Or another. Or another. Uh, there we go. Uh, a chance to revitalize a character and introduce the audience to this version of the doctor. Thoughts? Even I, though I read that very poorly. So <laughs> sorry to whoever uh, submitted that. <laughs> I, I do think that there's uh, a lot of value in, in leaving the past be the past, even though it's a show about time travel. Um, I think there's a lot of value in, say, moving forward and being like, you know what? This is a part of who history, but it doesn't have to be something that brings in new audiences. I think there might be something at play with the fact that I think Disney now has the streaming rights to it. Like in 2024, we're going to see on Disney Plus oh. is where we get to stream oh. this stuff, I think. Time to watch it. Um, so, and also uh, the 15th Doctor, they're not going to call it like series whatever. It's going to be season one. Ooh. So it's like, is that going to be a reset? Is it going to be like a new sort of look at things? Uh, so I, I think bringing Tenant back was, I wouldn't say stunt casting. But I would say it definitely is trying to grab the attention of people who maybe watched New Who and have since fallen off. Maybe right. they didn't like Peter Capaldi's uh, Doctor. Maybe they didn't like Jodie Whittaker. And then they see, like, my buddy Blue, the one who didn't get to go to the Doctor Who experience with me. Um, I texted him at the end of uh, the Doctor Who Flux arc where Jodie Whittaker regenerates into, surprise, surprise, David Tennant. And I, at the regeneration, I was like, you need to catch up on Who. And he said to me, he's like, call me when they bring back David Tennant. And I just sent him a clip of the regeneration. Oh, I mean, it's it's effective. This is your call. <laughs> it will make me watch it again yeah, because totally. I loved him so much in that role. And I felt such a loss when he was gone. So, I mean, it's not wrong. I wonder if he's going to say, like, I don't want to go again. <laughs> I, I can't. If he, do, I can't. I can't handle that. Too upsetting. It's so sad. Even I've heard about that. (laughs) All right, all right. So at the end of every episode, we like to share our micro-fandoms of the week, which we will do in just a moment. But before we do, here are some other ways you can connect with us. You can find us on social media at FandomShowPod or at our website, thefandomshow.com. As we mentioned off the top, we have a Patreon. If you have money that's just burning a hole in your pocket, send it to us. We love it. And it all goes towards helping us make the podcast. Um, Please tell your nerdiest friends about us. And please, if you can get on your podcast provider of choice, principally Apple Podcasts, but we love them all. Do a little rate, review, subscribe, even a one-sentence review or one-word review helps us move up in the charts and helps us get more access to cover all of the things that anybody has ever liked in the entire world, which is what we're going to do. I'm going to offer you a suggestion for uh, a review if you want. Hashtag not all Gallifreyans. (laughs) (laughs) It really, it it, it piques the curiosity is what it does. It'll definitely get someone interested. Uh, We also have merch, uh, so please head on over to tpublic.com uh, slash store slash the fandom show and snag our faces on your favorite things like shirts, mugs, and more. Uh, if you are in Toronto, uh, we host trivia twice a, uh, twice a month at Storm Crow Manor on the first and third Tuesday of every month. We love to cover a wide range of fandoms and love new challengers. So come on out and check that out. Also, if you are listening to this before December 13th, surprise, uh, Kaya and I are both going to be in a holiday musical show with Bad Dog Theater called Holiday. It's true. An improvised musical. It's true. Which is inspired by Sondheim's company. Also true. Uh, so you can find out more about that at baddogtheater.com. Uh, you can also find us on the From Superheroes Discord where you can meet other fans or hit us up directly. And our theme song is by Yusu Kim and our logo is by John Blair. All right. Baba we're Booey. on to our, our micro. What, what, Baba Booey. <laughs> I don't know why I want to say it so much today. <laughs> it's just like sitting in my tummy begging to come you out. just got some Baba Booey's that got to come Baba out. Booey's. I respect that. Um, all right. We're moving on to our micro fandoms for the week. And we're going to start with you, Andrew. In complete contrast to talking about Doctor Who and all the fun nerd stuff, I'm actually reading books on finance right now. Ooh, yeah, <laughs> nice. Just because I don't know why. Uh, my Joe job is in sales, so I think it's kind of a fun balance to like uh, me being very leftist and me being very like open to all these fun ideas about what the world could be. Yeah. And then reading stuff about how people think the world is. Oh, interesting. Kind of cool. Like I'm right now, I'm reading the psychology of money. Oh, uh, that sounds fun. It can be. I think <laughs> <laughs> I also read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and I was like, okay, it wasn't the biggest book that everyone said it was. Right. Um, it's fun for me to read some of those books of some of these quote unquote financial gurus and also think about like 
where their political views Ooh. pop up in the book. Mm-hmm. I, I read one a couple years ago, and I told the person who referred me to it, I was like, you know, this this book is okay, but the author brings up Robert E. Lee a lot. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, that's not a good sign. And they never they never clued into it, and then they asked me to read another one. I was like, you know, this guy really likes Rudy Giuliani. And like, <laughs> mm. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so I don't like it. Any of those things. Um, so, yeah. You're I not a huge Rudy Giuliani fan. <laughs> no, not really. I know. Think about what he did for New York. <laughs> so charismatic. <laughs> That's my micro fandom is, is reading books on, on money because I don't know why. I have no idea why it'll pass. It, that's why it's micro fandom. Honestly, yeah. like follow your interests though, you know? If there's something that, that you're curious about in a moment, it doesn't matter if you're not going to like it in two weeks. Well, yeah. it's like Doctor Who is completely made-believe. It's like make-believe. It's like nothing really matters. It's like this time-traveling alien with two hearts that can change their face if they're about to die. And it's the same with money. Really, it's just this thing. We all agree that it exists. It's we all, all made up. Yeah. It's all made up. It's just like, what is a recession anyway? What is a period of boom? What it, like? What is interest? I wonder like, if there's one economist listening to this just being like, uh, uh, well, uh, <laughs> I, um, I, 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 I can tell you. <laughs> but after the, the global financial crisis in like 2008, um, I think Iceland just we're like, no, we're we're gonna jail the bankers. Yeah, and it was just like they yeah, made yeah. that decision. They were like, cool, we're gonna we're gonna do this as opposed to like a lot of other places in the West, which is like, or global North, whatever you want to call it, are just kind of like, well, no, it has to have this this rule and blah blah blah. And anyway, I could mm. rant about that, but I won't. <laughs> yeah, the question is always who gets to make the rules. Okay, Steph. Ooh, micro fandoms. My micro fandom right now, uh, after many, many people suggested I watch this show for a really, really long time, I finally started watching The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, uh, which is a story about a young female comic in, I think it's like the 60s, um, who, you know, is living the classic um, classic life of a, a woman who, you know, has a family, has a husband, doesn't work. Uh, classic life of a woman. Classic life of a woman in the 1960s <laughs> in TV. No, yes. you're absolutely right. <laughs> um, but then discovers that she is a pretty funny lady. I just started season two, um, and it's just, it's visually delicious. Uh, every single shot is just so colorful and well well shot. It's a cupcake of a show. It's a cupcake of a show, but also very, very funny, very good. I uh, love all the performers so far uh, and can't wait to watch more. I'm Fun. excited about it. Kai, Fun. what about you? What you up to? Uh, so I have tried several times to watch this show and never stopped for any particular reason, just always fell off of it. This I've is a show you love you very watch. much. I love I know. This show. We're finally watching Band of Brothers, and God damn it, this time we're getting through it. It's so um, good. I would like to state for the record, again, I really enjoy it. I don't know why we didn't finish it the first time. I, think I couldn't tell you. I think it's just because it's like, it, it's not, it doesn't have cliffhangers. It's so, you, you really like, the stories they tell really sort of wrap up in each episode yeah. while the overall campaign is happening. Yeah. Um, but man, it's so well done. And like the, the art direction is phenomenal. The performances are phenomenal. Like, man, they really make you feel it in like this deep, deep way. It's, it's a very, very good show. Yeah. Uh, I've been really Hot thoroughly take. enjoying it. It's a good show. Hot take. Band of Brothers. Pretty <laughs> good. good. We are not doing hot takes. We're doing <laughs> micro fandoms. Uh, if you're looking for a fun other podcast, to, um, they're uh, tangentially uh, connected to a Band of Brothers called Dead Eyes, which is about a guy who <laughs> yeah. got cut from an episode of Band of Brothers because Tom Hanks thought he had dead eyes and has spent years being like, why? Why did this happen? Why doesn't Tom Hanks like me? Uh, I, I hope that they end up talking to Tom Hanks. I'm not finished yet. But. Tom Hanks is a great figure for a lot of people, but he also made Chet. So it's kind of like is Chet the one hot take re- on Tom Hanks. But is Chet the one who punched a burglar in the head who was trying to rob his house? I saw a news article about this like today or yesterday. What? Where it's like someone tried to rob him and he's like, F you, poof, punched him out. Yeah. Robbery averted. Yeah. What a guy. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> Anyways, anyway, uh, thank you so much for being here. Where can people find you? Anything you want to plug? Uh, nothing, nothing major. If you want to follow me on Instagram, I believe my handle is at Andrew J Cromwell. I'm also on Blue Sky, uh, which is so fun. Um, yeah, you're loving Blue Sky. I, love, I don't, I don't use it often, but like, it's like this fun little oasis you can walk into. It's like super positive, and anytime there's ever somebody who's like slightly malicious, they get like 
I shouldn't say bullied, but they definitely. But everyone's like, not here. Go to the other site. (laughs) Yes, go to the other site. There's a place for this. The place we all left. Not even one Elon here. Not one. (laughs) No Elon's allowed. Yeah, that's sort of my, my, oh, I'm also on LinkedIn for the Joe job. Um, But uh, that's that's kind of it in the digital space. If you somehow know where I physically am, I should probably hide my son. (laughs) (laughs) And any last thoughts on who? We didn't ask your your final hot take, but uh, as we're going into this new, new doctor, any final thoughts? I think... Who can be for anyone? I think we've talked about different ways to get into it, be it at a new doctor or for a special or something like that. And I think I think it's zany and I think it's fun. And I also know that as an actor, I'm also sometimes watching it, thinking about how fun it would be like behind the scenes yeah. to be a part of just that oh, yeah. world. So What a dream. Yeah, just you know, have at it, watch it a little bit, like it, don't like it. It's going to be around hopefully for a little while longer and... Have fun. What a beautiful sentiment. Amazing. Until next time, love the things you love and tell everyone about them. Bye. The Phantom Show. The Phantom Show is produced by Andrew Ivamy as part of the From Superheroes Network. For more great podcasts like this, as well as web comics, articles, and so much more, visit FromSuperheroes.com.